Like I said, next week we're going to actually start looking at our Advent season, but we are going to finish looking at an attitude of gratitude. How many of you guys were able to be a little bit more intentional about how you viewed the world? Yeah? Did anyone make the intention to be more thankful but recognizing what God has done for them, around them, with them? Now, we're going to look at Psalm 73. So go ahead and just start looking at that. You'll find that it's like 28 verses. So we'll just refer to it as we go. How many of you, when you got up this morning, noticed the chill in the air? Anybody? Anybody? How many of you guys wished it was warmer? How many of you guys were enjoying it? Anyone enjoying this weather? It only seems like a few weeks ago we were talking about how hot it was and how we wished it was colder, right? We wanted a good breeze. We wanted it to be a little colder, a little chillier, cooler. And now it is, right? Went to bed with the AC on last night. Got up this morning. I had to run to turn the heater on. I was like, ah! It's November. And this upcoming Thursday, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And what's Thanksgiving about? Giving thanks to God. Is it about spending time with your family? It's so much more than what commercials on TV may try to tell us with turkey and dressing and cranberry sauce, football games and Black Friday shopping. And I've challenged us to look at Thanksgiving different, to have an attitude of gratitude. To change the way that we look at the world around us. To the point that everything we view, we view through the eyes of gratitude, of graciousness. Now, Psalm 73 was written by Asaph. Asaph was David's chief musician, and he was essentially the Israelites' worship leader. But we get to chapter 73, and he's gone through a little crisis of faith. He had almost quit worshiping. He was having a hard time giving thanks to God. He wasn't able to tap into that attitude of gratitude. 
So we're going to look through Psalm 73 to kind of find out what may have been blocking him from viewing the world through that way and how it can help us to change our attitudes so that we can truly have that attitude of gratitude. Now, Psalm 73, verse 1 and 2, he starts off by saying, you know what? I know that God is good. Surely God is good. How many of us would say that? That, you know, depending on what life throws with us, we know that to be a truth, though. He says that, verse 1. Verse 2, he says something different, though. He goes, but as for me, my feet have almost slipped. I have nearly lost my foothold. I, he was finding himself slipping away. Difficulty in believing that truth, that God is good. Verses 3 through 12 he kind of gives us an overview of what's going on. <laughs> the crazy things he sees happening in the world around them. How the ones who have nothing to do with God seem to have everything going right for them. They're prospering. Their lives seem to be perfect. They have everything they want. They could be mean and evil and care less about God. But they seem to have it all. And Asaph's like, I don't understand. They don't believe in you, God. Why does it look like they're being rewarded for their lack of faith? And honestly, like some of us can get, he was a little jealous of how well things seem to be going for them. Jealous because verse 13 through 16, it starts, it says, he had felt like he had given up so much for God. I've made all these sacrifices. I've followed you. I have kept my heart pure. In, but then verse 13, he says, even though he's kept his heart pure, he says, surely in vain. I have kept it pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have plagued. I have been punished every morning. In other words, he did what God asked him to, but he felt it was in vain because he didn't feel like he was getting what he deserved. And we talked about that last week, remember? About part of an attitude of gratitude is have understanding grace and how grace and graciousness play into what we understand and how we look at the world around us. And Asaph was struggling with understanding that grace. He's seen people around him prospering. He's seen people around him having life put together. And he's like, you know what? They don't even care about you, God. They don't listen to you. They don't follow you but they've got everything I want. They've got everything they need, but here I am struggling in vain. You're a faithful servant, but you don't 
reward me like they are being rewarded. He felt that he had lived the way God had called him. He was getting nothing in return. The Bible kind of warns us, though, that he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If we were to look around those around us and take an inventory of those whose lives seem to be going the way they would wish, we may find that those who believe in the Lord and those who don't kind of unbalanced. Sometimes those who don't believe in the Lord seem to have everything they want. But here's the thing that we sometimes as Christians fail to understand. They do not have what they need. A time will come when this world will be no more. And everything that they have acquired will be no more. But they have never claimed that saving, redemptive grace, that free gift that comes from the Lord. And so, when it passes away, they will have nothing left. Whereas we, no matter what we may find on our, that we have this side of glory... If we have claimed God's grace as a power in our lives, if we have claimed his forgiveness, his redemption, then whether or not we have what we want, we do have what we need. They may think and look like they have everything and that they are as happy as can be. But deep down, their souls are troubled in a way in which we may not understand, and in which way they hide from the world. So let's not think that they have it all together. But let's be honest. Have we ever felt that way? Have we looked at those around us who didn't seem to care about doing what was wrong and right, who did what was wrong, honestly, again and again and again, and they never seemed to get punished, right? They may hurt us emotionally. They may hurt us physically. They are hurting us spiritually when we allow that to creep in, when we allow jealousy at what they may have to creep in. But we've looked around at people before and said, oh, I wish I had that. And honestly, we've probably looked around and said, well, how come they? You ever said something like that? Why are they better than me? Why did they get this instead of me? Whether it had been a promotion, recognition at work, something simple, or something big. Honestly, how many of us have ever had a why not me, why them? When it comes to what we in looked at as a reward. 
But when it comes to following the Lord, we tend to think, hey, if they're not following him and they're getting blessed, they're not hurting. And we've already said that. Remember, we don't know what's going on in their lives, but we do know that we have something in our very souls that can give us peace and comfort that they are missing. So they may toil all day long and have all the monetary physical rewards that they may want. But their very souls will be lacking something. And if your soul is unhappy, then so are you. But Asaph, he realized, you know what? <laughs> I was going down a slippery slope. I got caught up in the haves and the have-nots. Started lamenting about my have-not status and how those who have don't deserve. And I'd have not, but... I am so faithful to the Lord that why aren't I being blessed by him, right? But then it says, verse 17, Till I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. It says, I entered into the sanctuary of God. He was struggling, like all of us have struggled. But he knew what he needed. What his soul was craving, which was to be in the presence of God. And so he entered into the sanctuary. And it was then that he understood something. All that they ever have, they have it now. Right? We talked about that. It's all that they want. And one day it will disappear. They will stand before God, <laughs> even though they never believed in him. And everything that was important, that they thought was important, will be swept away. And then they themselves will be swept away. Verse 21, he realizes where his motivations were coming from. A particular emotion that's a very enemy of gratitude. Bitterness. How many of us can actually say that we've ever been bitter about something? We've had to learn to deal with it, to move beyond, or at least hopefully we have learned. If not, it's a work in progress. It says, verse 21, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. When I got so distracted about what I don't have, and I became bitter, because jealousy can lead to bitterness. When I became bitter over what I felt was their unjust rewards... I became senseless, ignorant. He stopped noticing the blessings God was already giving him. Stopped noticing the things the Lord has already done. 
And when we can allow ourselves to become in that space, we can do that too. We can conveniently forget everything he's already done, everything he continues to do, because of this one area in which we feel he fails us. He may be answering our prayers left and right, but if we have a particular prayer concern, a burden upon our soul that we don't feel is being dealt with, if we don't check ourselves, if we don't enter back into the temple, as Aphesaph said, if we don't realize what's going on, if we don't turn to him, then we are placing ourselves in danger. Verse 23, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near the Lord. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. reasons to be thankful to have that attitude of gratitude to change the very way you see the world to not allow bitterness to creep in when we feel like he may be ignoring a particular burden upon our hearts we can become desensitized to the world around us in which he is constantly showing his glory to us. Let us never have our eyes closed to what the Lord is constantly doing in our lives. To be with him always and know that he is right there beside us. Just as Aphesus says, he says, I am always with you, and you are holding my right hand. You are guiding me. It doesn't matter what the people of the world may have. If they don't have the Lord, then they are truly alone. It doesn't matter how many family, it doesn't matter how many friends they may have. If they do not have the Lord, they have no one. You may not have everything that you want. But you have a God who holds your life in his hands. And he is not only near you, but he is in you. You are never apart from him. He who has shown you grace, who has saved your soul, and who loves you. Let us give thanks for that very fact. no matter how hard our life may seem at times, God can use everything 
for his kingdom. He can guide us through whatever troubles we may be facing. And he has an ultimate destiny for us. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. And honestly, whatever you may even be able to accumulate on this world is nothing compared to that. He has much bigger plans than anything we can dream up on this earth. So let us give thanks to God. That even though we may not ever, ever have everything we want, grace has given us the only thing we need. He realized that all he needed was his relationship with God, and that is all we need. There are more important things in life than money, fame, fortune, and even an easy life. They're all going to fade away one day. The most important thing is our relationship with God. And as we work and develop our relationship with God, then truly our very attitudes will change. That attitude of gratitude will become who we are. It will change the way we see the world. When we realize that nobody and nothing will ever take us away from God, then what more could we crave? There's a fate for those who do not follow God. Verse 27 said, They will perish and he will destroy all of them. But he says, verse 28, But you, you're my refuge. And that final thing goes back to what we talked about last week. And I will tell of all your deeds. Share the good news. Share the grace. Talk about what he has done for you. And honestly, living your life with the very essence of an attitude of gratitude can be a huge testimony without you ever having to speak words. But when we become more intentional about recognizing what he is doing for us, more intentional about seeing his grace in our daily lives, when it comes to a testimony, when it comes to this opportunity to share God with somebody else, 
what we share will be powerful enough to move hearts and powerful enough to strengthen ours to get through each and every day. He is and always will be our shelter, our source of protection near us, and we can count upon him. He will never let us down. He will never turn his back on us nor drop us for someone else. And he is a place we can go, a source of refuge, strength. When we recognize his grace and his love for us, what more can we do than to react through thanksgiving? And when we recognize his graces in the world around us at all times, acting in our lives, and we learn to be thankful for all of the things, even the small things, our very attitude does change. And bitterness becomes a word we don't understand anymore. And jealousy becomes a concept we have no time for. And we learn to be not just content, but happy with what the Lord has already given us. While we look forward to anticipation with what he will give us. Said so next Sunday we're going to start our Advent season. Think about that. Advent's the celebration of the coming of Christ. In Advent season we celebrate his birth, but we look forward to anticipation his return. Well, he will call us to glory. We have so much more in store for us than whatever we may dream and imagine that we would want to possess here on earth. So let us truly be thankful for that. And to look at the world through eyes of gratitude. Showing grace to others as grace has been shown to us. Telling others of what God can do for them. Because that have and have nots, we generally tend to think we're the other side of the equation when the truth is Oftentimes, we have, because we have God in our lives. And they have not, because they lack him. Let us not be stingy in sharing that. They may have all the physical things they may want, and guard it close to them like a dragon with a horde. But we don't have to be like that because God's grace is more than sufficient for all. 
And in fact, we've been challenged and charged to share it. He ends it saying, I will tell of your deeds. That he's a refuge. That he is always near us. That he provides for us. And that one day soon, those who follow him will go into glory. So take this time to not just give thanks for what he has already done for you. Not to just give thanks for what he will do for you. But to give thanks for who he is. For his love. For his grace. For his mercy. For we know that we can rely on him. Turn to him. No matter how hard this world gets. He will be there. For us. With us strengthening us and guiding us. And when we have someone like that in our corner, the world around us becomes a different place, a brighter place, a happier place. And then we can truly live out our days with an attitude of gratitude. Let's take this time in prayer.